0: G'day and thank you for joining us on the Outpost Church Podcast. I trust that this teaching from our church camp, which came to us from Dave and Ruth Ridley out of the book of Ephesians, will be a blessing to you. We pray that it hits you where you need to be hit, and we pray that you are able to apply this for your good, for the good of those around you, and for the glory of God. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are here with us and we just open up our hearts to receive from you right now. You want to speak to us because you love us so much. Speak to us, Father. Thank you so much for this amazing man of God and I just bless him right now. Thank you that you speak so powerfully and Um, you just speak your word through David and so I just ask that you give him clarity of heart and clarity of mind. Thank you that he is your mouthpiece and that he will um, deliver your heart to us tonight. May we never be the same. (laughs) Get scoliosis for the next point. Should be right. to <laughs> we get some sand table something. They love like I just love um, I was the director of Youth for Christ, similar to WAM. And it's like this is classic missions. It's like um, one second, guys. I'm just. <laughs> this oh, this master of innovation. This guy no, was a WAM director in Darwin, as you can tell. <laughs> Must have an emotion. Creative solution to the on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I won't get too passionate, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. That's better. That's good, it? it was funny, the story that Rid mentioned, they've um lives in Victor Harper where we are, and he just popped in and I remember he brought up and we were having sushi and it's a very interactive meal. And there literally was an inch. Of sticky sushi rice all over our house. And, <laughs> this um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what well, it is so good to be here. It is so good to be here. Thank you for, for having us. And um, Ruth and I are very um, full of expectation of what God's going to do in the next couple of days. Uh, first, I want to thank and honour Shane and Christy. You guys are amazing, yeah. and uh, we just value your friendship, your relationship. What's, what's changed? You went out. You went out. Okay, well, let's channel it all to you. <laughs> 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 but seriously, we, we really appreciate like Coming from Darwin, we're very immersed in community, in uh, leading community, and then being uh, led by God to the south coast. has been very like um, unsettling in terms of like uprooting for us, and having Lorainas here has been awesome and catching up, and we really appreciate your family. The opportunity to um, to be here, so thank you. Um, and yes, so myself, my wife Ruth, have five kids are blessed to be here, and I'm just super excited to hear Ruth talk um, because she's carrying such a revelation on God's heart and the prophetic. And so, just get your get your hearts um, expectant. I'm sure we'll be sharing tomorrow morning, and then also again on Sunday morning. We've we'll four sessions, two each. So I'm um, looking forward to that. It's gonna be really cool. So one thing that Ruth and I often share uh, with each other and talk about is the fact that life is about relationship. Relationships. When it all boils down to it, we think what's the most important thing in life when all this said and done? It's relationship. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Someone on your deathbed, it's not like I wish I worked more overtime. <laughs> you know, I wish that I had I don't know. Built another house or something, but Sydney, our youngest, is very cute and distracting. (laughs) She loves her dad. (laughs) It's like animals and kids can't compete with their cuteness. (laughs) You don't know relationship. Relationship with God. Relationship with others is the most important thing. Would you not agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about it, the word, um, the way that we live our lives and the word that describes the relationships that we have could be termed community, right? So community is like the house in which your relationships live. Okay, You might have, obviously, family, immediate biological family, your church family, your uh, community at work, or what have you. But your relationship with people and your relationship with God is the most foundational thing. Community is a big deal, because we are, by nature, relational creatures. So I want to take us, Ruth and I want to take us all on a journey this weekend into God's heart for community. We believe that in our time leading a church in Darwin and ministry things, we, um, one thing that we've seen God do through us is facilitate healthy community. So we'd love to share some insights that we've learned um, and impart to you some things that we think will be helpful as you go on a journey of living in God's full design for community. So a story. One time there was a family during the period when uh, the British Empire was expanding around the world, and they were wanting to have a new life in this, plant, this place called Australia. And so this family with the young um, young children, they saved up all their pounds and pence, and they hopped on a old um, steamboat, sailboat back in the day, and um, no, it was like a more so a um, that like Titanic kind of era, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that kind yeah. of picture. Yeah. And um, they're quite poor, so they had to save up lots of money to uh, to get through this journey. Now, they had to, um, I suppose, ration out their food to get to Australia for their, for their new life. And upon getting on the plane and kind of plane, getting on the... She's actually distracting me, sorry. I love my daughter. (laughs) Thanks, Christy. Um, Getting on the boat, they had to ration out their supplies. Now, the father, on the last night, realised something. As a diligent steward of the finances, he had over-budgeted. He had more money left over than what was needed to ration out the food. So he pulls together his young family and says, guys, you have been so well behaved, such good good attitudes, you know, that they've been isolated, kind of like, you know, in this little poor man quarters, the, the hull of this big ship. And he said, let's go up to the top deck, you know, and again, picture Titanic. It's like, you know, opulent and the food and, you know, it's, it's where all the rich people hang out, right? And people are connecting, and there's some of the playgrounds for the kids, and this is awesome, right? So it's like, let's go up to the top deck and hang out up the top, right? And connect with everyone up there, and have space and interact with with other people. So they do that, and you can imagine the father sitting up against the bar, talking to the the waitress, and his kids are playing on the playground or whatever they had back in the day, and. Been a great time looking out and seeing the dolphins. I don't know, you know, meeting other kids and actually interacting with, with, with the space that was up there. And he was sharing with the, with the, the hostess, the waitress lady, and she says, like, "Well, first she has a look on her face that's like a bit confused." And he's like, "What's what's wrong? You know, is there something?" You know, she said, "Oh, come look at your ticket, please." And he's like, "Oh no, what's? Maybe I couldn't be happy. I paid for it and what have you." He pulls out his ticket, gives her. His ticket, she looks at the ticket, looks at him, looks at the ticket, looks at him, and says, Sir, I'm so sorry, but this whole journey, your ticket that you purchased, had this included the whole time. <laughs> Imagine his feeling. He's like, oh. <sighs> For me, when I heard that story, I'm like, oh my. Gosh, When I get to heaven, I don't want Jesus to be like that, that's a uh, way of saying, dude, Dave, your salvation, your, what I purchased for you included way more than what you were living in, in pedal class down the bottom. Wow. And I believe that the Lord desires to reorientate our idea of his plan for community right here, right now. Yeah. Because sometimes we're living in cattle class, in isolation, in loneliness, carrying our burdens, depression. I don't know what gear is going on, but God wants to invite us up to walk in the full inheritance yeah. of what he's purchased called this ticket of salvation. It isn't just a ticket to heaven. It's a ticket to a new way of living yeah. on the earth. Yeah. Mm. And a ticket to heaven as well. Mm. This is a big deal, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love it when, like, um, modern science just proves the word of God? I love that. I love researching. I love studying. I love, you know, social sciences. And I love it when it's like, you kind of like, you read the study and it's like, I've told you that but the Bible says so. You know what <laughs> Save these studies, but it is cool because it reinforces what the Bible says is to be true. Okay, so in 2006, there was a study of 3,000 women who all had breast cancer 3,000 of them, a big study. And what this study found was that women who had strong social connection, lots of you know networks and friendships, and kind of like a sense of belonging in community. This is, this like, empirical research found that women with breast cancer of 3,000 who had strong networks of friends were four times more likely to survive breast cancer than those with little to none or, or very low social networks. Four times, not just double, four times the rate of actually surviving breast cancer because they had friends, because they had community. Guys, we are designed mm. to live in community. Amen. We're designed to be seen. Why? Mm. Because God has made us in his image mm. and God isn't alone. Mm. Did you know that God actually is a community? Mm. Yeah. But before like, he didn't God didn't create the world because he was lonely. Did you know that? It wasn't like, hello. Anybody out there? Anybody <laughs> I might just create something <laughs> I'm lonely. No no. Before time began, there was this triune relationship of the Father, the son, and the Spirit. <coughs> the son wasn't created with you know Mary in the, in the manger. No. Jesus is the eternal son. God, when you think of God, God is a family. God is a community, a relationship, and out of the abundance of love. From that eternal relationship. God created the world and humanity. And we're different from the animals. It's all good. When it comes to humans, humanity, we are very good. We're made in his image. Why? Because God desires to have relationship with us. And you can't have relationship the same way you could with a human, with a dog. Right, dogs. I love dogs. I'm a dog person. I'm not so much about a cat person, but I love dogs. But even then, you cannot have the same heart connection and communion with an animal as you can with a fellow human. God wasn't content to have a globe full of animals. He'd be like, "Hey puppy, hey puppy." He's like, you know, he wouldn't die for a dog, but he'd die for his own image, His own flesh and blood, His own lost sons and daughters, if you hear me. God is community. God is relationship. He doesn't do relationship, He is a relationship and from that place He's created the heavens and the earth, He's created you and me. And the same way, if you want to understand how to best use something, you look at the instruction manual, right? Guys are like, no, I don't. I'm like, yes, you should. (laughs) If you want to optimise the full functionality, you need to understand why and how it's been made. So, how do we operate in the fullness of God's plan for community? Well, praise God that he's given us instructions. He's given us his word. Okay, so the Bible is God's ultimate revelation, His Word, Christ, ultimately, to reveal to us the blueprint of what His desire for community on the earth should look like. And so, over the course of this weekend, Ruth and I are going to be focusing in on one book of the Bible because we believe that this one book of the Bible has profound insight and revelation into how to um, see God's community established on the earth. So, the book that we're going to be looking at this weekend, drum roll please, what is the drummer? Is the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. So, I hope that we can inspire, if nothing else, to get your nose into the book of Ephesians, to engage your heart in the book of Ephesians, because in it is profound insight for us to learn about God's heart for community. The very nature of the book is a revelation. The way that Paul's written it is absolutely profound. You see, in, in Ephesians, you have to, a bit of context. So Paul the Apostle wrote it. It's got six chapters. Um, I want to say chapters, well, men put those in there, but the way that he broke it up, in, in the way that he wrote it, is structured in a genius way. So chapters 1, 2, and 3... Paul really establishes the, the belief system of a Christian, right? He looks at who you are in Christ, okay? And then chapters 4, 5, and 6, he looks at, well, in light of this, how then should you behave, right? So, again, I want to just equip you, if there's one fantastic Bible resource, resource that, that Ruth and I encourage you to get, is this Nelson's Compact Series Compact Bible Handbook. Alright, this is just super small and it literally gives you the context to read books of the Bible. Alright, so when we were running our church we would get them for all of our interns, it's just a fantastic resource to give you the, the handles to get your head around a book of the Bible. Okay? So even on this, I can just give you a bit of a summary from this, It's like one page for Ephesians. So we've got chapters 1, 2 and 3 are the position of the Christian, chapters 4, 5 and 6 are the practice of the Christian. 1, 2, and 3 is the belief of a Christian. 4, 5, and 6 is the behaviour of a Christian. 1, 2, and 3 is the privileges of a Christian. 4, 5, and 6 is the responsibilities of a Christian. Okay? So, we're going to go on a journey through the belief, the root, and then the behaviour, which is the fruit. Okay? Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, so I want you to get inspired about the book of Revelation because it's God's blueprint for you, or a key part of it, or we believe, to go from cattle class into first class. Mm -hmm. Alright? To understand who you are, how to relate to people, and how to be the community of God on the earth. Yeah? It's God's gift to us. Yeah, To reveal to us. There's treasures in this book for us to unearth and to discover as the people of God. Okay. So... Without any further ado, let us open up the book of all books, the book called the Bible, and specifically the book of Ephesians. And I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Have a good time. Are you guys still awake? on it's Friday afternoon, Friday evening. I went to a big week. You're like, good yeah, point, Dave. It's been a big week. So if I, if I see some nods, I'll be like, is that a nod of amen or not? i of going to sleep? <laughs> I'll be checking. It's like. I I, I fully get the uh, Friday evening uh, sleepiness. I'll try and be animated in like, Jesus! (laughs) Keep keep, keep you guys awake. I'm actually notorious for falling asleep watching movies. People fall asleep watching movies? I see that hand. I see that (laughs) (laughs) hand. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. Okie dokie, here we go. Who, who here likes board games? I like board games. I haven't played them as much. Increasingly, as the kids are getting older. Um, Who's here to play Othello? Yes, Othello. Now, now, for those of you who don't know Othello, it's okay. I'll pray for you afterwards. It's a really fun game. I haven't played it for years. But essentially, it's like on a square, and you have to... Um, touch hard to explain. But the point of Othello, or the key strategy of Othello, if you know this, Christy, is to... Take the corners. You know that? You have to take the corner. If you get the corner, one of the four corners, you've essentially won the, the game, really. If you can dominate from the corners and you work your way out, then you've won, right? Chapter 1 of Ephesians, in the passage I'm about to read, is like taking the corner, right? If you can get this part, you've got the whole book. You understand me? This is like taking the corner, right? This is like, unless you get this this bit, it's like the a whole big... You know, in the Northern Territory, there's big, um, what do you call them? Station, no, um, oh, the big long trucks. Oh my gosh. Road, road train. train. Road train. Oh, my God. Like, Truck, train, no, no, road train. There's like four or five carriages, right? And it's this huge cattle, whatever, and there's like a linchpin, the pin that holds the whole thing together, right? I'm, this passage of scripture is the linchpin that holds the whole thing together, okay? This is very, very important. Paul here is, uh, is zoning in on the identity of the believer, in order to position them to get the right behavior. Okay, who knows? You will not get good behavior without good believing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You will not get good behavior without good believing. If you just focus on believing, all we are as the church is like a behavior modification club. And we're like, do better this time, Billy. Okay, Sam, I'll do better. And we're like trying to literally encourage ourselves to do, to change our behaviour. But the gospel goes way deeper. It goes into our hearts and it changes our belief system. Yep. Right? If I believe that I'm a dog, it's logical for me to bark. If, if I truly believe that I'm a dog, I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm actually a dog on the inside. Right? Why? Because the belief system's there. Alright? So Paul here is addressing the belief system in these chapters, of the believer. Because when he's talking about our behaviour in marriage, in parenting, in, in the church, in unity, he's talking about behaviour, but that's because he's established the identity first. Yeah. Okay? So, like a lot, let's read. Ephesians 1, we'll start the chapter... No, sorry, verse, chapter, verse 3. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Ready for this? In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ As a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, I don't know if you've ever driven out of a a fire hydrant before. No. But reading that, you just have, right? (laughs) That there is so potent. It's like, you're like, I'll have a drink. (sighs) There's so much in that that I just read you that you're like, wow, that sounds awesome. What does it mean? Do you think that was just me? It takes a long time to... to, This is rich, Pauline language here, where Paul's just like heavy-duty, like straight-cut whiskey, boom, is like, whoa, that was strong, right? This is really, really potent revelation here. So what I want to do is give you some handles to uh, understand or to apply what Paul is writing here. Okay. Mm -hmm. In verse, here we go, five. This is key. This is one of those linchpins. He, God, predestined us for adoption. Now picture that. God has pre-planned. He's prepared for us to be adopted. As sons through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of his will. What does that mean? God planned in advance for you and me to be adopted uh, into his family adoptions a family language isn't it? We can, we can relate to that to adopt us into his family. why? Because he wanted to. The Bible says according to his will he's like I want you in my family. why? Just because right? According to his will all right. God has adopted you into his family. Now, in order to understand chapters 1, 2 and 3 of Ephesians, you must understand the concept of adoption. It will help you profoundly. Throughout Paul's letters, numbers of times, Paul refers to the spirit of adoption. That we have been brought into the family of God. Remember, God's a father with a son who's sent to the earth to establish a family on the earth. Okay, God is a father who wants a family. For eight years, Ruth and I lived in Northern Territory, and our first year, we well, the whole time we were living in. an area Christy and Shane would know, and Dave would know. Law socioeconomic socioeconomic Karama, this part of Dharma, which has a lot of um, people that need lots of love. And we had um, uh, our it's house. Like little gangsters. Yeah, little gangsters. We had our house, was the only house in the entire suburb that didn't have a front fence, right? So our, our house was known by the local kids as the house with no fence. So we had kids coming into our house all the time and swimming in our pool. Right, because Darwin is really hot so in any pool any, you know, lacking a front fence it's like, it's like a community pool pretty much anyway, it, was, it was awesome right? we had a list of kids names in our fridge just to keep track of like, so many kids coming through and it was our access point into the community because there were no families and parents it was just awesome <coughs> and anyway one of the kids that we met through this um, community pool um, was a boy named Ethan and he was—he is a super charismatic, beautiful kid, um, and he—but he's also a little bit mysterious. I'm like we didn't know where he kind of fit in, or you know, oftentimes with these type of kids, they're a little bit kind of transient. But, but Ethan was even more so mysterious. Where does he fit in? Where's his family? And anyway, as we got to know him more, um, we, it, it became evident that he was actually um, didn't have uh, a secure family at all, right? And he was living on the streets, and there was a whole story. He would always, he'd call us Auntie David and Uncle Ruth, and he'd joke about one day he wanted to join our family. And be like, ha, ha, ha that'll be fun, or whatever, just like, going along with it. Anyway, within two weeks, thanks babe, of Ethan saying this, um, he was our foster child literally. So the department got involved and long story short they fast-tracked us because Ethan said he wanted to have um, us as foster parents and so they fast-tracked our training and everything and I remember I was with Ruth, we'd just had Ezekiel, we were pregnant with Grace and we went to Ethan's school to pick him up to bring him home. And Again, this kid's so, so friendly and everyone just loves Ethan. So, like, I remember picking him up and the teachers had been involved in the whole process of discovering the, what his situation is. So They were just, like, they were crying because crying, they actually had someone to go home with, usually just on the street. It was, like, a really emotional thing. Anyway, so I, I picked him up and we're, like, all right, Ethan, dear, dear, do, do you have anything with you. you know, do you know what I mean? Like, this is him. And he's, like, nope, you know. And he's, like, wearing the clothes. You know the clothes at school that's, like, the... um." the box of clothes that's like when you get a really muddy, there's like that box of clothes that you get to wear, you know what I'm talking about? You know, like the leftover clothes. He's wearing kind of like those clothes. He didn't have, he didn't have anything, right? And so like, okay, so like no toothbrush, no, like no nothing. So we went, this is in Kajarina, so we went across the road to Kajarina Shops and we, they're in a big W and we're like, we got to get these kids some, like, some stuff. And I remember I had this trolley and Ruth's with me with Ezekiel and like, Ethan is going into like racks of clothes and just chucking like stuff that he'd love. Like, oh, this one. Like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. He always, he always wanted suspenders. So he and got some suspenders. I'm like, yeah, go for it. And just, like, literally going in. I'm just holding this trolley. And I'm like, i like, in that moment, I felt the presence of God so strong in Big W. And God said, This is the spirit of adoption. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did Ethan like <laughs> did Ethan deserve that? Now in terms of his like criminal record, he break me entering in Don Dale prison, he'd like he he lived a life on the street, right? But it wasn't about his behavior. Yeah. It was about Ruth and my heart to bring him into family. Mm-hmm. To bring him into family Family. And from there, it was a journey for him to discover what it looks like to live in a functional family. Because he was more used to this function. That was more normal for him, if that makes sense. That was a journey that we had to walk with him through. The heart of adoption is the heart of the father. Adoption begins with the will of a father that says, I see you, I love you. And listen to this. It's a disconnect between your behaviour and his love. Yeah. yeah, Right? An orphan thinks, I need to do to belong. Whereas someone who's adopted is, I'm accepted because my father accepts me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright? Think about it. God is a father. The Bible says in Romans 5 that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means that when you were at your worst, living in sin and probably enjoying it, God sent His Son. Why? Because He's a Father that looked through your sin into who you are to redeem you from that curse of sin and to bring you into the family of God. It's not that he doesn't care about sin, but he hates sin. Sin will kill you. Jesus is God's son. He has been God's son since eternity past. The Father and the Son is this eternal, loving family relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus walks the earth, it's like the curtain has been pulled back and we can see the relationship of the Trinity for the first time. Do you see how amazing that is? God sent his son that he's known forever and now the relationship of the triune God is on display through Christ. Wow! Do you get it? God has like revealed himself through Christ. And when Jesus is in the Jordan River being baptized, we hear the sound of the Father's voice. And it's the most profound insight into their relationship. He says, "This everybody, is my boy." <laughs> Literally. It's like David translation. <laughs> This is my beloved son, and I'm so polite. He affirms him. He loved the very first words out of his mouth, audibly, everyone could hear, is that's my boy. I love him. I'm proud of him. Oh my gosh. The, the relationship between the father and the son, right? Powerful. It's been like that forever. And then we get to see it. We're like, wow. And then you see Jesus in the Bible, he's like, I only do whatever I see my father. He's just in love with the father. He's like, my father is working and I'm working. My father <laughs> says this, in my father's house, he's in love with the father. My father's greater than I. My, my father has the father. He's just in love with his father. The whole thing is like when you hear him pray. Our father. He's a son who knows the father. And you and me, we get like sucked up into this triune relationship, we become sons and daughters of God. Whoa! Whoa! Did you get that? The Bible says that those who believe in him, Jesus, he gives them the right to be called sons of God. Whoa! Do you know why they killed Jesus? The Bible says that the Pharisees... Said they got so angry at Jesus because he said he called himself the Son of God, and they said, "If you call yourself the Son of God, the Son of God, that means you're calling yourself equal with God." Therefore, they want to crucify him. The key part of them wanting to kill Jesus was because he said, "I'm God's Son." All right, and now I feel like the potency of that statement—that you are a daughter of God, you're a son of God—that is an offensive. Powerful, life transforming statement that God is my father. We are the kid like Ethan putting stuff in the trolley. God's like, that's my boy. I adopt him. It begins with me, not with your behavior. Yeah. And from the place of security in the Father's love, I guarantee your behavior will change. God doesn't wink at your sin. No, He gives you the power to get free from it by the incubation of His love. That's how it works. But the problem is we're suckers for religion. Religion is like orphans' playground, man. Religion is like, look at me, dad, look at me. I can go, I I can do these things to get to gain your approval. That is like the law, that's the old covenant. You need to do, do, do to get, get, get. Do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Right? It doesn't change your heart. The new covenant is about God coming into you, changing you to his love, it's his power, it's his adoption. And from that place, we get to live. From that place, God calls us to live holy. Why? Because through the cross, he gave us the availability, the, 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 the identity to be holy. The Bible said so. Holy and blameless and above reproach. Yeah? So, when Jesus was trying to explain the Father to people on the earth, he explained to them the story of a son who rebelled and said, Dad, I wish you were dead, give me your money. Literally. How is that like to an earthly father, an earthly dad? That's like, like you can imagine someone who didn't know God's love. That would be like on you know, Oprah and like he did what? You know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's really offensive. I wish you were dead. Give me your money. All right. Jesus tells this story to illustrate the father. And he goes off and he blows. He doesn't blow it on on charities or trying to start a business. He blows it on hookers and drinking and, and world sensuality, sin. And then he runs out of money. There's a famine in the land. He runs out of money. Right? It's like it, it is he's living in poverty now, eating with the pigs, living in complete shame and disgrace, gone from like being like a you know, one of those MTV parties, as old and is like this guy's so popular, and it goes from that to like I don't know, nothing, right? On the streets. And then his revelation is, his logic is, hang hey, on a second. I could go back to my dad's house and be a slave with him. His slaves get like a heat and three meals a day. Why not go back to my dad's house and be a slave? And then I'll listen up with his pigs, right? I'll, I'll spoil my pride and I'll go back with, with dad, right? As soon as the dad sees his son, the father is so overwhelmed with the desire for relationship he's overcome and runs to embrace his father, completely overlooking the sin he had completed mm. and, con- and willfully conducted, the money that he'd lost, and he accepts him in with a big fat calf and a massive feast and a party. Why? Because it's his love. Mm. Do you think that that son, knowing the full extent of his father's radical love and acceptance, We want to go back to the pig pen. We want to go back to the life of sin. No way. No way. Paul says in in Romans, um, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. right? The grace is available for us. We don't want to indulge in sin. Absolutely not. We want to engage in a revelation of the Father's heart, which leads to holiness and life. From this place, can you imagine with me a community of people living as sons? That is a picture of the church. If I'm receiving love from the Father, I'm going to reveal that love to those around me. I'm looking for a victim of God's love through me because I've seen the love of the Father for myself. I want to pray and I want you to uh, be encouraged and to think about that one thing, that one hook, the word adoption. 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 You have been adopted. And from that you can go on an exploration of the book of Ephesians into your inheritance and then how to live through your inheritance. But it begins with the revelation of it of a son who knows their love by the Father. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that that spirit of adoption would be released tonight. God, that people would know, maybe for the first time, that they are the beloved son. They are the beloved daughter. That you yell out from heaven, that's my boy! That's my girl! I'm proud of you! Not because of your behavior, because of my love for you. That your love, God, is everlasting. Your faithfulness is never ending. Your grace is abundant and extravagant. I pray that the Father Heart of God would be released over this weekend. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Bless you all, and we'll. See you tomorrow.